0: Good morning. morning. If you wanna follow along in your Bible, we are in the book of Hebrews. It's a big book in the New Testament. And uh, we'll be in the first part of chapter two today, if you wanna turn there. Have you ever failed to pay attention to something you really should have paid attention to? You know, maybe you got an important bill or something in the mail and it kind of got lost in the stack and you just didn't pay attention and and uh, it sort of came back to bite you. Um, I've noticed this not paying attention thing happens a lot on airplanes. Um, before a plane takes off, every time the flight attendants get up and say, please give us your careful attention as we present you some important safety information and almost nobody pays attention. And uh, yeah, I kind of wondered why that is. I, I think for many people, they think, well, I've heard it before. I already know everything they're going to say. Um, and then maybe others figure, hey, oh, you know, the odds of anything really bad happening are pretty remote. So I don't really want to waste time listening to this. But imagine this. Imagine if the passengers knew ahead of time, for sure, at some point in the flight, the cabin is definitely going to lose air pressure. And if they don't know how to use that little mask that drops out of the ceiling, or supposed to, uh, they wouldn't be able to breathe. Do you think at that point they'd pay attention a little better to that whole briefing? Um, if, if you know something really big is at stake and whether or not you pay close attention is going to make a big difference in your life for good or bad, I think we'd be more motivated and that's probably to, to pay close attention. Well, that's the situation at the beginning of Hebrews chapter two. Uh, The writer has just begun telling us in chapter one, why Jesus, the son of God, is greater, far greater than anyone, anything else. And then he pauses here at the beginning of two as if to say, are you listening? Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Are you paying attention? Because whether or not you pay attention is going to make a really big difference in your life. Take a look with me. Hebrews chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. We must pay the most careful attention therefore. That means because of who Jesus is, who I've just been telling you he is, because of that we must pay the most careful attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, Jesus, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So what's this all about? Well, I want you to see that Verses 1 and 3 use different words to say basically the same thing. Verse 1 tells us to pay the most careful attention to what we've heard, and verse 3 tells us, in effect, to not ignore so great a salvation. Well, ignoring is the opposite of paying attention you're paying attention, you're not ignoring. If you're ignoring, you're not paying attention. So we're talking about the same thing in two different ways. Okay, so what is it we're supposed to pay attention to? What is it we're not to ignore? Well, in verse one, it's called what we've heard. So it's a message. And we know that for sure, because he he compares it to a previous message or messages. And then in verse three, it's called so great a salvation. So, you put those together, and what it's saying is pay attention. Oh, wait a second, and then you can pay attention. (laughs) So, it's a message, and it's so great a salvation. It's a message about a great salvation. Uh, In other words, it's the good news, it's the gospel. Of Jesus Christ. Um, this message that because the Son of God has come and because he has died in our place and risen from the dead, by trusting him, we experience a great salvation. That is, we experience deliverance from the awful consequences of sin and we become part of God's family, God's people who he has promised to share eternal happiness with forever in the age to come. If. If we pay close attention if we don't ignore what God has said to us by his Son. Doesn't that seem like kind of a strange thing to say to people who have who claim they've already believed in Jesus? Because, see, the first readers of this, well, they were Jewish people who grew up knowing their Bibles. They grew up knowing the Old Testament Scriptures. And they knew, they knew about God's promise to send a Messiah, a promised Redeemer, a promised uh, King to deliver them and rule over them. And then someone had come to them and told them about Jesus of Nazareth and his claims to be that Messiah. And they told them about his miracles and about his death on the cross and his resurrection, his being raised from the dead. And, and how his chosen messengers, his apostles, were going around who were eyewitnesses of everything Jesus had said and done and eyewitnesses of this death and resurrection, they were going around proclaiming this good news of salvation in his name. And God was doing all kinds of signs and wonders uh, through these apostles. And he was pouring out his spirit on those who believed. That's what verse 4 is talking about. And so these, these people who heard this message, they said, okay, count me in. I want to be a part of that. I want to be one of those followers of Jesus. So, why is the writer of Hebrews saying to these people, hey, you've got to pay much closer attention to what you've heard. You must not ignore this message of Jesus. Well, why would they ignore it? They already said they believed it. Why would they do that? Why this warning? Because it had gotten hard. It had become very difficult to pay attention to Jesus because they were taking some serious heat from their friends, their relatives, the leaders of their community who did not believe in Jesus. And they were feeling pressured to tone it down. Let's stick with things we all can agree with. Don't make such a big deal about Jesus. You know, maybe maybe he's not quite as great as you've been told i mean angels we can we can all agree they're great and they're awesome they're powerful and moses he was great he gave us the torah the prophets the temple the priesthood the sacrifices yeah they're all great but jesus he's controversial He upset a lot of people, especially the leaders. I mean, they don't think he was that great. Should we think he's that great? That's really the question this book was written to answer. Because if you don't think he's really that great, and I'm talking about what you really think, what you really feel not what you're expected to think if you don't think really that jesus is really great you won't pay the closest attention to him you won't why because paying attention is hard it's hard and there's lots of things to distract there are lots of things clamoring for our attention And so, if Jesus and his salvation do not feel really great to you, you're not going to pay close attention. You're going to ignore him and what he says, really, no matter what it looks like on the outside. So, the question we've got to answer, and I mean no irreverence, no disrespect in asking this question, but we've got to be able to answer it because it's so important. What is so great about the message of Christ? that we have to pay such close attention to it, that we have to be absolutely certain we're not ignoring it. What is so great about the message of Christ? Now, there's several ways you could answer this, and I would recommend that you discuss it with one another, uh, not now, later, and, and encourage each other with your answers of why the message of Christ is so great but I'm gonna give you two answers that are emphasized in this book, okay? What's so great about the message of Christ? Well, for one thing, it is an invitation to know the greatest person there is. It's an invitation to actually know the greatest person there is. So we have this message, this gospel, this good news, that's what gospel means, good news, that we're told was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself. That's who it's talking about. First announced by the Lord, that's Jesus. And then it was passed on to us by those who were eyewitnesses of his life, his miracles, his death, his resurrection. They heard his teaching. Okay, here's the thing you don't want to miss. You don't want to miss that there is an extremely tight connection between the message and the person the message is about. In a very real sense, the person is the message. So if you go back to chapter 1, verse 2 said, In these last days, God has spoken to us, and most translations here say, by his Son, which is not bad, but it's actually more accurate to say, in his Son. God has spoken in the person of his Son. The message is in the person. Think about it. When Jesus invited people to believe the gospel, he wasn't inviting them to believe a list of facts about him. He was inviting them to believe in him, to know him, to trust him. So I'll give you some examples. Matthew 11:28, 28. Come to me, Jesus said, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. John 6, 35. He said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. These are outrageous statements, I hope you see. These are amazing. John 7, 37. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me, and drink. When Jesus called his disciples again and again, he said, come follow me. The the message is about the person. The person is the message. The Apostle John puts it this way. Look at this. To all who received him, talking about Jesus, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name. Do you see how believing in his name is parallel here with receiving him? Those two things go together. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Or as the writer of Hebrews is going to say later in chapter 10 and in a few other places, because of what Jesus has done, because of who he is, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. So the good news of Jesus is an invitation to draw near to God in the person of his son. And that's who chapter 1 told us he is. It said, in these last days, God has spoken to us by or in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. These are incredible descriptions of who this person is. And Jesus says, draw near. Come to me. He's the greatest in every sense of the word. In every sense of the word. He's more powerful. He's more wise. He's more compassionate. He's more just. He's more faithful. He's more courageous he's more truthful he's more delightful he's more excellent than anybody else you know so think of it this way is there somebody you really admire you know maybe it's somebody famous maybe not maybe just a hero of yours maybe it's even a good friend i don't know if there's somebody you just you really admire and if they invited you to spend time with them you would pretty much drop everything else to go do that. You would clear your schedule for that person. But you're pretty much ignoring Jesus, his invitation to get to know him. Is it possible you don't realize who you're really dealing with? Don't be like those people on the airplane who won't listen to the flight attendants because they think they already know what they're going to say. If you think you know all about Jesus, but you don't think he's great enough to pay the closest attention to, closer than you pay, say, to Netflix or Facebook or the news or a football game, I believe you should seriously reconsider who we're talking about. The message of Christ is an invitation to know the greatest person there is. And another answer, the other thing that is so great about the message of Christ, it's the only way to escape the greatest danger you and I face. Absolutely the greatest danger you face, the message of Christ, is the only way to escape that danger. So verse 3, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? So if you're out in the ocean flopping around and drowning because you can't swim, at least you can't in that situation, you're done, You're, you're going down and a lifeguard comes out to you and offers to pull you out, and you refuse to let him, how will you escape? If you're trapped on the third floor of a burning building, and a firefighter comes up a ladder to take you, to rescue you, and you say, no thanks, how will you escape? If you're a condemned prisoner on death row awaiting execution, and the governor offers you a complete and total pardon and you refuse it, how will you escape? We need to feel how dangerous and desperate our situation is without Christ. You say, well, is it as bad as drowning? Being trapped in a burning building? Being on death row? No, it's not as bad as those things. It's much worse. Much worse. Back in chapter 1, verse 3, it said that Jesus made purification for sins. Whose sins? Not his. He didn't have any. Ours. On the cross, in some uh, way I can't really fathom, I'm not sure anybody can. Jesus experienced the penalty that our sins deserve. Now, most people, I think, believe that being condemned by God to eternal separation from Him is overkill for our sins. Because our sins just don't seem that bad to us. I mean, maybe some people's sins, but you know, not mine. (laughs) Um, Hell sounds unfair to our ears. But verse 2 emphasizes the justice of the penalty for ignoring God. That's what we're talking about, ignoring, defying, rejecting God. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? So he's arguing from one thing that's smaller to something that's much bigger, okay, If this had a serious consequence, how much more serious will the consequence of this be? So here's a dumb illustration, but imagine you got a parking ticket from the city of Vancouver. You know, if you don't pay it, then in a couple of weeks, it doubles. And if you still don't pay it, they turn it over to collections, and it dings your credit rating. Don't ask me how I know these things, but this is the truth. (laughs) So if you don't want to ignore that because of the negative consequences it's going to have, how much more do you want to not ignore the Internal Revenue Service of the federal government who can literally take everything you own if you don't comply? I said it's a demonstration because nobody likes these people, but that's the point. Okay, so he's saying here if this, if these previous messages, which were less, if those had a just consequence, how much more do we not want to ignore this? So he's talking about what happened to the people of Israel when they ignored God's previous, his previous messages. What happened to them? They were conquered by their enemies. They were sent into exile. Their cities their temple was completely destroyed. And it was justice. God had, this wasn't arbitrary, God had warned them again and again and again of what would happen if they didn't pay attention, and they didn't. And if we ignore God's ultimate message to us in His Son, then our exclusion from his presence will be just. It'll be justice. If we don't want him, we don't get him. That's the greatest danger you and I face. I know it may not feel like it. So many other things feel so more pressing. But Jesus warned us again and again. He said more about hell than anybody else. And maybe you think, well, you know, I don't know. I really don't know what he said about that. (laughs) Why not? Why not? Is it because you don't have access to a Bible? Okay, look around. There's one in the rack right in front of you. Take it. Take some time and read what Jesus said. Or is it because it doesn't seem that important? Or you don't have the time Man, I take the time. If you've got time for Netflix, Facebook, Instagram, or the Seahawks, but you don't have time, you don't have time to see, you don't have time to consider what Jesus said, that's insanity given what's at stake. And he willingly suffered the terrors of hell so that you and I would not have to. He said, greater love has no one than this, that that he laid down his life for his friends, and that's exactly what he did. That's why this salvation is so great. That's why it's so great. It's being delivered from the greatest possible danger to receive instead the greatest possible benefit. This is amazing. Instead of justice he gives you mercy. Instead of death, he gives you life. Instead of separation from him, he gives you relationship with him. Instead of misery, he promises you a future of unending happiness. I mean, the king is offering you a complete and total pardon, and he stands with arms wide open and says, come to me. Come to me, and you will live. Come to me, and you will experience my joy forever. Why would we ignore that? Why would we ignore him? See, if Jesus does not seem to be the greatest treasure you could ever have, if he does not seem to be, if if the good news of him saving you doesn't seem like the greatest news ever, well, then we're not going to pay attention to him. And what we'll do is we'll drift, drift. Did you see that in verse 1? Therefore, we must pay the most careful attention to what we've heard so that we do not drift away. Anybody here into boating or know somebody who's into boating? talk to somebody who knows boating and ask them about drifting and whether or not that's a good thing, because it isn't. It's really bad news. See, that's why boats have oars and motors and anchors. It's to keep the boat going where it's supposed to go and staying where it's supposed to stay. Uh, A drifting boat goes wherever the current takes it, and that is almost never a good place. Now here's the thing. How much effort does it take to drift? Zero. It takes absolutely no effort to drift, literally and spiritually. You don't have to do anything to drift spiritually. You know why? Because we are surrounded by a current, We are surrounded in our culture. We are surrounded in our world. The tide of this world's opinions is moving away from Christ, not toward him. It takes no effort to drift. It does take effort not to. See, real faith, real faith in Jesus is an active thing. It's not a passive thing. Uh, I, I find, and I've had this in my own life and I find in other people's lives, they get confused about faith not being passive, it's active. Uh, I want to be careful here. I'm not talking about earning salvation. Absolutely not. not uh, salvation is a free gift that Jesus offers us. But see, receiving that salvation, living it out, takes effort. Not earning Effort. Grace is opposed to earning, not opposed to effort. Real faith is an effort. It's not an earning. Uh, verses describe faith in Jesus as a boxing match. We're told to fight the good fight. That sounds like effort to me. Um, it's also described, faith is described as a marathon. Chapter 12, we're going to get there later. Not today. Um, It's a marathon. Run the race, we'll be told in chapter 12. Run with endurance the race that's set before us. That sounds like effort. And here, faith is described as paying very close attention to what we've been told. Paying very close attention to Jesus and his words. Paying attention takes effort. You guys are experiencing that right now. If you're paying attention, you're exerting effort. And if we're not, if we're not paying attention to Jesus, if we're not paying attention to his word, you know what we're doing? We're drifting. We're drifting. Drifting leads to disaster. And people will always ask at this point, and it's going to come up again and again in this book, says, are you saying that you can lose salvation? You can lose your salvation in Jesus? That is not what I'm saying. Genuine faith, genuine faith looks like paying attention. It looks like fighting a fight. It looks like running a race. And so the problem is, if we're drifting, the question we have to ask is, is my faith genuine? Because there's not an option. Pay attention. Don't ignore. That's what faith is. You can't learn God's word without effort. You cannot. I challenge you. Take your Bible home or your app. Turn it on. Put it under your pillow when you go to bed. And when you wake up, all of God's truth will have just soaked into your head, right? (laughs) Not going to happen. You cannot learn God's word without effort. You cannot pray without effort. You cannot share the good news of Jesus with other people without effort. You can't give generously to God's work without effort. You can't develop meaningful relationships with other people without effort. It is a serious mistake to believe that living and growing as a Christian just happens. It doesn't. Is paying attention, is fighting the fight, kind of answers itself. Is that hard? Sometimes. Sometimes it's very hard. Is it too hard? Well, when it feels that way, we need a change of focus. And we need to remember how great Jesus really is. And how great is this salvation that he gives us. Paul says it so beautifully, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Here it is, the life I live in the body, I live by Faith in, or in the words of Hebrews 2, paying close attention to, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It takes effort, but see, understand what the effort is. It's the effort of depending on, of relying on, Ultimately, the work of someone else. I know that feels like a paradox because it feels like work, but it's the work of trusting. It's the work of relying. It's the work of looking to Him and knowing who He is and knowing He loves you, knowing He gave Himself for you. He will enable you to do whatever He wants you to do. It's the effort of reliance not the effort of performance. It's a very different thing. So that's what we're called: pay attention. Don't ignore him. Pay attention to him, and don't, don't let yourself drift. Don't let the current of this world take you away from him. Let's pray together. Father, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you love us enough to warn us, to tell us at times hard things that we need to hear. Uh, Lord, I, I confess it is easy to get caught up in other things and to give my greatest attention to other other people, other situations, instead of to you, to your son, to the great salvation. You have won for us through him. So I just pray for myself. I pray for everyone here in this room who has put their trust in you that they will, you will help us not drift. You will help us pay close attention to you and make the effort you want us to make to live in relationship with you. And I pray for any who are here today who have yet to take that step. That today might be the day that they understand and believe that there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name. And that what's at stake is so important. And if it doesn't feel important to us, we've, we're just not seeing it as it is. So God, help us see it as it is. And feel it as it is. Help us help one another. Encourage one another, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.